Well, good morning, everyone, and happy Sunday. This is a Sunday special where I am going to be joined by my pastor, my friend, my brother from another mother, as it were, Daniel Turner. And we're going to talk about things like, what is sin? In fact, we cover the question of, is smoking marijuana a sin? What about pharmacia, or basically what we know as pharmaceuticals? Did Tom Cruise have it right whenever he called out Matt Lauer and said that drugs are not the answer? Hmm. Well, we're going to talk about this and a whole lot of other things. There's probably going to be some things that some of you will take issue with. You might find controversial, but that's what makes it fun. One of the things I'm sure you'll take issue with is the audio. So your host had everything hooked up perfectly. I mean, you should have seen the upper room up here, the the Vitruvian lab. It was set and ready to go. However, it turns out if you don't actually plug your mixing board where all the audio is going into your computer, it doesn't catch all the audio. So although while I was monitoring the entire podcast through the whole thing, the audio sounded just absolutely amazing. Well, considering the fact that the mix master was not hooked to the computer, all we have is the audio from my MacBook. So it's not the quality that I would like it to be. And if you are just happening to come upon the Jason Wright show for the first time, this is not typical audio. So please don't think that's the case. Generally, I try to really capture good audio. So my bad. DT, I'm sorry that I didn't do us a, a good job on that. So you just got to get back on the show that much sooner to have another one of our discussions. And for those of you out there listening, thanks for doing so. I hope you have a great Sunday. And if you have any questions on this, if you have, if you want to challenge on it, uh, challenge me, Daniel, whatever, it's okay. That's cool. We, we understand what we're getting into whenever you put anything out there that has to do with faith, religion, spirituality. Totally get it, but I'm here for it. So just go to jasonrightnow.com and fill out the contact sheet or whatever, and we'll try to, at a minimum, just you know have some very good, healthy, loving discussion about things of faith and whatnot. So with that, I hope you have a great Sunday and enjoy this Sunday special edition of The Jason Wright Show. All right, Daniel Turner, I just went ahead and pushed record. So we're doing, what do you want to talk about today? I mean... I invited you, so... Yeah, I mean, whatever. <laughs> I like what we got into a little bit, you know, just... Yeah. Reading this morning, we, you know, everything from... Yeah, let's let's talk about that. I'm going to put my, my Clark Kent glasses on, so because we're, we're going to get serious. I want to see you, my man. All right, so, um, so what we were talking about yeah. was this whole idea of uh, pharmacia, which, you know, I'm going to let you kind of explain the... What pharmacia, what it is, what it means, and then let's let's take as a topic the whole idea of pharmaceuticals, where it lines up with faith, theology, kind of the history of man, if you will, because I well let's just start there. So kind of give us your take from a spiritual perspective, or I don't want to set you up, just your perspective. What is it, and what are your thoughts? Okay, so pharmakia, uh, you mentioned in that word, the root word of, of where we get pharmacy from. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of times, uh, like 
like when you brought it up, I understood what you were saying because I know it's in our in you know Christian circles. It's used a lot because sure. it's the word. I believe it's sorcery in Genesis or um, Galatians five when right. it talks about one of the the works of the flesh mm-hmm. in which by by these you will not inherit the kingdom of God, and one of them is sorcery. And so um, I think when you back up and you look at what Galatians five is is literally saying, it's the Apostle Paul writing this letter where he's He's instituting something, or, or, or I, I should, he's, he's trying to get people out of a religious grid and a religious mindset, which when, I, when we talk about religion, we're talking about maybe um, trying to do something in order to be accepted by God, to do something to, in order to be qualified or loved by God, all these things. And he's saying, hey, it doesn't work this way. But instead, if you walk in the Spirit because of what's been freely given to you, and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, what he's, what he's accomplished, um, then you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So he's talking about not being sin conscious, not being, not walking around, um, even as Adam and Eve were deceived and tricked, thinking that like, well, do this and then you'll be like God. Eat this fruit of the, air quotes, knowledge of good and evil, right? You know, like what's good and what's evil, like this rule book. Take these rules and then by living them, you'll be like God. He's saying it doesn't work this way. You actually walk in the spirit. You don't. You don't actually need the rule book. And and he and he goes over the fruit of or the works of the flesh. In other words, these these works that people do to try to attain the peace of what it means to really walk in the spirit. And he's like, by doing these, you'll never inherit the kingdom of God. One of which is sorcery or pharmakia or pharmakia. And so it's just like he he goes through this list, which you know, I think we can misapply it and think like, well, this is the new list of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's everything from like jealousy and anger and, and, and outbursts of wrath and uh, obviously witchcraft, sorcery, idolatry, these things, murder, um, um, sexual perversion, all these things that are a list. But what he's saying there, he's like, Hey, if you practice these things, you'll never inherit the kingdom of God through them. And we understand now in this new covenant, it's like, the kingdom of God is something everybody in the world is searching for, which is righteousness, but it is peace and it is joy. And peace and joy are like two majorly missing ingredients, I think, from the majority of the earth, from the majority of, majority of people. And I think when you talk about pharmaceuticals, what medicines are, are prescribed more than anything, and it's really an epidemic now, mm-hmm. And it's, it's things that people are reaching for to have peace and joy, you know, even alcoholism, you know, it's like, cause you know, drunkenness is one of those works of the flesh that he lists, but he's not saying, Hey, if you're, if you get drunk, that's a sin. Right. But what he is saying, he's like, by practice, by choosing drunkenness, you're not going to inherit your true inheritance of the kingdom of yeah. what your father is actually wants to give you, which part of which is peace. And it is joy It is the fruits of his spirit in your life. And then he goes on to contrast that, and he's like, you know, but the fruit of the Spirit are these things, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and all these different things that he comes and he, and he contrasts the, the works of the flesh with the fruits of the Spirit. You know, fruit is, you know, the evidence of something. Like, you know, if you, mm-hmm. if you pop up an orange, like it's evidence that you really are an orange tree. You know, ain't no apple tree squeezing out no orange, you know. And he's like, these are the evidence that you're abiding in your true inheritance, your true self, your true identity. But working by the flesh in order to get these needs met, it'll never work. And I think that's why 
we've always thought like, well, yeah, sorcery and witchcraft and idolatry and, and sexual perversion and, and murder and all these different things. But the fact that that word there is in there, and this ain't some Tom Cruise, you know what I mean? This ain't some what Scientology, like, oh, you know, don't right. take an Advil if you have a headache. Right. It's like, no, it's going to help your headache. You know right. what I mean? It's, it's not that, it's not a law. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new covenant isn't a law. Mm-hmm. It's actually undoing this knowledge of good and evil, which became law. Right. And, um, but, but the fact that it is there, it's like, Hey, there's people that are reaching through sorcery. And it's, this isn't the, the, the Buddha statue you bought at Pier 1 Imports, you know, that you're bound to in your closet. You know what I mean? Like right. we've kind of dumbed things down. It's like, this is literally talking about pharmacate. This is talking about they're using chemicals and alcohol and drugs in these things. Cause it's, it's both in that in order to achieve something that's missing within them, it's a whole. Right. And the, what you're trying to achieve is actually your inheritance. Mm-hmm. And you don't do, you don't receive that by doing something. You receive that by walking in something that's already been done. Mm-hmm. It's a big contrast. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's everything that's opposite with religion, to be honest. So it, it reminds me of, you know, here recently I was kind of, I actually nearly came to you to do an episode a while back in asking you the question, can, um, I guess, hallucinogenics and spirituality coexist? Mm. To kind of answer this question, I mean, maybe we'll take that. And and we ended up doing uh, the Out of the Matrix episode, and, mm. which was kind of something different. And here recently, it, it was interesting because you hear a lot of guys in the health and wellness circle, which you and I are both into. We're always trying, like we were talking about David Goggins before we got on, yeah. Ben, ben Greenfield and all these guys, Peter Tia. Mm. I actually made the comment to someone uh, this week that, you know, if I ever met Peter Tia in person, it would probably be kind of funny because I would be like, Oh, I'm a big fan of yours. But it's like, who's a fan of a doctor? You know I mean? Mm-hmm. It's but this kind of weird world that guys like us that we're just constantly trying to improve our health and everything get into. But one of the things that's come on the scene with a lot of these guys you hear, and I first heard it with Tim Ferriss, I think talking to Sam Harris years ago where it was the first Tim Harris was the first or Tim Ferriss was the first mainstream kind of guy that was into health and wellness and self-improvement talking about LSD, psilocybin, you know, um, ayahuasca mm-hmm. and some of these sorts of things. And then it just kept growing and growing and growing to where all of a sudden there's a lot of research being done. And then it kind of went from very specific case uses to, you know, to dealing with PTSD and some other things mm-hmm. to then you had Aubrey Marcus out in Austin, who now goes on these ayahuasca trips and, you know, records all the great, you know, whatever visions he's had. Mm-hmm. But Ben Greenfield, who is a believer mm-hmm. as a Christian and who has talked about using some, you know, microdosing and mushrooms and these sorts of things. He makes this bold post that he has decided to not do anything of this nature anymore. And if someone out there, if, I, if I've got that wrong, that if, if Ben has said that he it was, there was something specific besides psilocybin, mushrooms, or anything else. But what I got was, for so, something got to Ben as a believer that made him believe that this was not in, in, in accordance with our faith. Because, and then he made the post. And I responded to him on it because I was like, it was, it was bold. And the audience he has is so vast. There's a lot more at risk for him to make these bold claims than certainly Jason Wright of the Jason Wright Show. But he said, if you have to take a mind-altering substance to get closer to God, mm. 
then what does that say about your relationship with God? Mm-hmm. It's kind of what you're talking about, right? Yeah, I mean, it's. I think that's that's the that was the fruit of the tree of knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, the the serpent, which we know, I mean, wasn't a talking snake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's. It wasn't. This, no, no. This the heavenly being that was there that tempted them with this tree. It wasn't just the shiniest apple in the, in the in the in the deal, but it was fruit that would actually open their eyes. But it was also in a simplistic form. It was like, do this, take this, and then you'll be like God. And I think when you hit that at the root, that like you always you've heard probably me say this before. It's like dogs are a man best friend, and man was created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. Man. Humans are God's imagers on the earth. Dogs are meant to be their best friend. I don't know about the rest of the animals. You know, it's probably all kind of good stuff, whatever. But the reality is, like, mankind was created in the image of God to have fellowship with God. Mm-hmm. And the oldest trick in the book was somebody showing up, trying to convince them that they were missing on something that they already had and got them to work for something that was already freely given to them. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the trap, number one. And I think, I don't know uh, Greenfield, but I that the fact that he's zeroing in on that lie, hey, if you think you have to do something in order to get closer to God, then you've already, basically, in my words, you've already fallen for the oldest trick in the book. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm also not here to institute a law um, in the New Covenant as Christians like, well, if you do this, then you're you're a sinner and you're 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 whatever you know. But at the same time, there is something to not getting into the place of working to accomplish or achieve something that's already been freely given to you by the Lord. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, with that, you know. Yeah, that's. Um, yeah, I have. When I was young, I, I grew up. You know, I'm a child of the '80s from the "Just Say No." Era. Yeah, and, and and really, and, and it was so simplistic. But I was the, I guess, I'm who it kind of worked on. I was like, and I remember thinking as a kid, these big green buttons that said "Just Say No" about any drugs. I was like, as a kid, going, you know, I don't really know much about drugs, but if they're making this big of a deal about me not doing it, probably shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of a simpleton that way. Mm-hmm. Now, though, all of that has gone away, and we're flipping to almost just say yes. I mean, it, you know, on the ballot, just say yes to recreational marijuana. And, mm-hmm. and we, and you know, what is your take? Are all of these, do all of these different uh, drugs fall under the umbrella of something that can be in contrast with what the believer believes is their relationship with Christ? Or, because you mentioned Advil, that's something yeah. that can help your head. I don't think so. Okay. Because that's what some people are going to say. So, well, so are you one of those whacks that's just like yeah. no medicine all the time? Or Yeah. If, if you read the New Testament, you, you read the New Covenant, the letters of Paul, he's literally writing these things to protect people from going back into being legalistic. And he says multiple times, everything is permissible for me, but not everything's beneficial. Right. So it's like, I'm legally allowed to do anything that I want. Right. You know. But not everything's going to benefit me. Not everything's going to edify. You know what I mean? And so that's where I, I draw the line at even calling things sin. Because I don't, I don't eat from that tree of what's good and what's evil. Like, no, that's evil. You mm-hmm. know? There's obviously bait. And, for me, it's like that which violates love is, is a, I don't know what, you, what I would call it. It's a violation. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That is not who you truly are, and that's not the way you're supposed to live. And that's just, you know, even back to the Ten Commandments, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, and or, you know, 
thou shalt not what kill or commit mm-hmm. adultery and all these things. Like if you love your neighbor, you wouldn't want to steal, covet his stuff, you know, cheat on him with his wife, try to kill him over, you know, whatever, you know. Right. Um, but when it comes down to chemicals and substances and stuff like this, I, I'm not, I'm not even prepared to call anything good or evil in that in that realm. Mm-hmm. I think it comes back to motive. And I think that's what Galatians 5 is doing. That's the closest thing we have that people misconstrue as a knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm. But it's like, he's not saying these things are evil. He's saying, hey, if you, you won't inherit your true inheritance by these things, the fruit of them will not be good. Right. But this is your true inheritance. And um, so I don't think there's there's some sort of, of line, well, this is bad. It's just like, hey, it's not going to get you to where you're going. And if you look, man, if you really look at some of the ancient texts, um, stuff like Enoch, Jasher, you know, the books of the giants, stuff that was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, um, old Jewish polemic writings that were written to contradict a lot of Sumerian texts and the Babylonians and to reinforce, like, no, our creation story is the truth. When they go through even, like, one Enoch and they talk about the history, you know, if you look at Enoch, like, just as a scholar, and you lay out Genesis and Enoch, they, they overlap each other very well. All their genealogies, their time frames, and everything. Enoch basically just kind of is, a, is a, almost like a commentary that tells the ins and outs of the stories of Genesis. So it's really cool. But it also talks about the fall. And it talks about the rebellion of, of the sons, the Benai Elohim, the Watchers, the sons of God. Um, and all these things that they came and illegally taught this knowledge to mankind. And a lot of what they taught was sorcery, the cutting of roots, which is, I mean, what's more popular than ayahuasca right now, or yeah. DMT, or peyote, all these things. They, like, it literally talks about this, that they taught this forbidden knowledge to people, but it was in order to have, to kind of have a grip into humanity, mm. so that they could steer them. And so, for me, personally, if somebody comes to me and is like, yo, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do whatever, whatever, what do you think about it? I'm just to the point now, I don't think that most people are even touching or scratching the surface on the true mysticism that is found in being a real Christian. Yeah. Having a real relationship with God where he's talking to you, like you're communicating him, but he's communicating to you and you're growing in this spiritual supernatural walk, which is never gone away. Yeah. You know? Um, but a lot of times when it's in that motive, it's like, what are you reaching into these substances for? What are you, are you trying to, what are you trying to gain? Because it's like, Hey, if you're, if you're trying to gain that which you're lacking, the, if it's love, if it's joy, if it's peace, if it's patience, if it's kind of, you know, all these different things can be counterfeited through pharmacia mm-hmm. and through alcohol. You know what I'm saying? We could, we could counterfeit joy. We can counterfeit peace. But, man, when that thing wears off, when that Adderall wears off, you know, that Zanny bar wears off, <laughs> you're <laughs> yeah. not going to feel that same way. Right. Because it's not lasting. You won't achieve the true essence. Whereas this, this walk of the Spirit it's a little more real, but it's like, Hey, you're going, you're deep diving into the face coming face to face with the very issues that are driving you into those chemicals. And instead of just going into the chemicals, you're actually walking in this walk with the Lord where those issues of the heart come up and you have the opportunity to deal with them in relationship to him, Mm -hmm. become whole and healed in your heart and then actually have peace instead of walking around with an anxiety disorder. Yeah. Or, you know, panic attacks. Yeah, you, um, that's, that's something I talked about here recently that has just kind of real, I've kind of, I don't know where I 
first heard this, I, I wish, and if I do, I want to give proper credit, but this idea that replacing the word anxiety with fear, you know, a lot of what we adults, we call, we use the term anxiety because it sounds a little more adult-like. It's a psychological issue. I'm not, I'm not afraid. Now, if you ask a kid, if you ask Noble, you know, what are you afraid of? Or why are you anxious? Like, what do you mean? I'm not anxious. I'm afraid of my scared. teacher. Yeah, I'm, I'm scared. Yeah. But an adult, you, you know, I'm anxious. I've got anxiety because of work. Mm-hmm. We are such an anxious people. And I think that, you know, what you mentioned is one of the things that I have really wanted to do as I get older I actually talk about this on the Best Friday Ever episode of the show today. It's, it's running right now that I launched early this morning. Was that I've learned that if you focus on the things that really matter, and if you focus on the things that we were designed, because I do think we were intelligently designed, to focus on, then all the things that are causing the fear, causing the anxiety, they tend to fade away, you know? I mean, that it's, and that's one of the things, that, and it's taken me, I mean, I used to be an anxious guy. I always tell people that I used to look to the past with great nostalgia, the future with incredible anxiety, completely ignoring the present. Mm-hmm. But talk a little bit to the believer or the non-believer that might be listening to us right now. And you know, what are the things that we are to focus on so that that fear is alleviated and we don't want to take that shortcut to... Instead of, you know, love casting out all fear, instead it's, you know, Xanax casting out all fear. And yeah. like, what are the things to focus on? I think when we're, when we're avoiding anything, when we're, the way we deal, deal with fear is to medicate it, which is to avoid it, mm-hmm. to, to pacify it, to, to push it down. Yeah. And, and then the issue itself never goes away. It sits there on the shelf and looks at us like a gremlin in our room. Yeah, you know what I mean. Absolutely. You took a pill or took had four beers to make that thing calm down, so you couldn't hear. It feels like it's across the room, but as soon as that wears off, you're gonna wake up with it. You might wake up with that chest pain in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. People have anxiety attacks and stuff like that. But the reality is, is like there's something that Jesus has done um, in humanity that God did, which was to insert Himself into the utter, into the very deepest, darkest aspect of humanity in order to fully redeem it from the inside out. And that's the game. Because if we're talking about Genesis and they go back, they eat the fruit of this knowledge of good and evil. They partake of this stuff in order to get something they already had. Then it says their eyes were open, which they became blind, like Saul. Um, They were blind to the realm of the spirit, I truly believe. And um, they started to hide from the very one who created them with love and purpose and attention in his very image. Mm-hmm. And it's like, then they were afraid of him. So fear literally came in from that knowledge of good and evil. And so the medication, the things we do to try to achieve this stuff is actually enforcing it in our life and causing us to never, ever deal with it. And that was the trick. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the beauty of that whole thing is now mankind sees God who is love as something to be afraid of. He comes inside of man, but also comes and manifests himself as a human on the earth to manifest the love, the loving father that he truly is. And, and in seeing that, fear becomes dealt with. Mm-hmm. And so it is my opinion, you know, that, that fear at its root and at its core can only be fully dealt with by knowing the Lord, by knowing God. 
but in truly knowing him and walking with him, not only do you see him and, and you start to see him as he is, which causes you to feel, you understand that you're loved, which that's what casts fear out, the perfect love of God. That's what the Bible says. But Jesus actually starts walking you into fear mm -hmm. in order to face it. Right. We talk about like Jordan Peterson, a lot of these brilliant psychologists, they say it's, it's a common fact with people that are dealing with anxieties and fears. The fastest way and the best way to get people to, to, to be healed is to actually get them to the point where they'll voluntarily face their fears. Yeah. And Jesus does this. Yeah. And you, I mean, even in the scriptures, you see Jesus dragging his crew into the most sketchy scenarios intentionally and deliberately to actually show them that this whole place is the matrix and it has no real power over you. Mm. And everyone's like, well, yeah, well, he got bit by, you know, he got killed. But Jesus told his disciples, he's like, hey, listen, understand this. I'm laying my life down. Nobody's taking it from me. Mm. Kind of like you, you, you'll, you, you'll be in trauma for a while when the whole cross thing happens. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're going to be shocked and confused. and It's going to be the most terrible thing you've ever gone through. But you'll remember these words, and it's like, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down, but I take it back up again. Yeah. You know, he, it's like he took his own life. You know, he's like, I'm outside of this. I'm doing this for you. But he was also showing them there's a place. There's a, there's a place of abiding in me, and which abiding means just living a, as your true self in him. Right. Where I will actually bring you face to face with the things that terrorize you, that are afraid of you, in relationship with him. He leads you into confrontation with it, and he shows you the lie that it actually was. It's like this fear. It was, it was just terror. It was a terrorist, an empty threat that was projecting a reality that wasn't real. But by doing that, it steered your life, and now I'm going to come, and I'm going to you, bring you straight out of it and tell you never to be afraid. I mean, Jesus, I think one of the funniest stories, man, um, it's, at, it's, it's at the end of Luke 11, some Pharisees invite Jesus to come to a dinner. They were wealthy. They were the elite. Um, they were in cahoots. They had the authority of the Roman legions and, and you know, the Roman soldiers and leaders in their area. And um, so they could arrest people. They could abuse people. They could do whatever they wanted. But Jesus takes, takes the invitation, like, yeah, I'll come eat at your house, which I, I just know these disciples that are around them, like, this is a bad idea. <laughs> like, you know they're trying to trump up charges on you so that they can kill you, which they don't even have to have much. They can do it. Right. But Jesus, I feel, is bringing his disciples, those who are walking with him, into that scenario. I know this is going to make you really uncomfortable, but sit with me in it. Be present with me in it. Don't, don't forecast it. Don't go into the past. Don't hide yourself. Just be with me. And he literally goes into this dinner with the Pharisees on the wealthy end of town, with Roman soldiers probably all around, he was becoming famous, so crowds knew where he was, so people were kind of in the streets and near the house and all this stuff. And when he goes and he sits down at the dinner, he starts acting way up. Like, just starts acting a fool a little bit, you know what I mean? It's just like, he starts really ripping into the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, you're whitewashed tombs. Like, mm -hmm. which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And it was really the love of God trying to rescue them. Like, snap out of what you're in. Snap out of what you're in. And I know if I'm number 13, if I'm one of the disciples, I'm thinking like, dude, be quiet, man, be quiet. This is not the time for this. They, they have us surrounded. Like, this is awful. What, what is wrong with you? Why are you doing this? And then some of the, some of the lawyers, 
who were Jewish lawyers, which like they could really prosecute you. You know what I mean? Right. So they chimed in by saying this to them. You're saying it to us also because they wanted them. And then he says, well, woe to you too, lawyers, because, and then he just starts ripping into them. And I can just see, I'm like, you know, where's the back door? How are we getting out of here? This is awful. We're younger than all these guys. And Jesus is, you know, 32 years old at the time. So he's a young buck too. You know what I mean? Compared to us, like, you're like, you're in, and it, that chapter, it, it ends with the Pharisees and the lawyers cornering him mm-hmm. at that house or at that property to the point it says they were, they were vehemently assailing him. Like they were trying to ask him so many questions just to get him trapped in his words, just to get him to say something so they could instantly arrest him. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Luke 11 kind of pours into Luke 12. It's the same. It says, in the meantime, such an innumerable number of people started to gather around because of the commotion, the chaos of, of how hot it was getting. Mm-hmm. That it says people were getting trampled underfoot, which is crazy to think the demonic swirl and frenzy of fear that these guys were into with Jesus in the middle. They're in the, excuse me, they're in the middle of this tornado that's happening. And they're like, you know, how, how are we going to get out of this? This is impossible. This is it. Right. And, um, it was just people getting trampled like a Michael Jackson concert back in the day. Remember those? Like, <laughs> oh, absolutely. On the rails. Like, <laughs> absolutely. That's what I think of. Kids don't know about that these days, man. Those are some crazy videos, man. But people were getting trampled. And next thing you know, Jesus and the disciples somehow slip out of it. Like they're in the, they're in the middle of all this chaos. And he goes from being confronted with the Pharisees to turning to his disciples. Mm-hmm. And starts giving them a teaching about fear. Mm-hmm. We think like a teaching, was he sitting on the mountain and, and the birds were flying around? Like, no, this is in the middle of what seemed like a, a fight, yeah. a frenzy, yeah. a Taylor Swift concert. You know what I mean? Or a, I don't know what's, I don't know. T-Swizzle yeah, concerts, I'm sure they, get really rowdy. And it's like, here he is, he brought them into the situation. He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. In other words, they're afraid to be who they truly are. They're hypocrites because they're so... They, they want to be so accepted by mankind that they're not even themselves and they can't accept that their God is sitting with them, communicating, trying to help them. And he goes on this long tirade of Luke 12 of don't be afraid no matter what. They can't hurt you. Don't be afraid no matter what. The very hairs of your head are numbered. You know, like don't, you know, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about your work. It's like his, he just goes into this mode about fear. And I love the fact that like the teacher, God himself, sets the stage with his disciples by, by, by like sitting in a fear storm and then sitting on a, you know, sitting on a stump and like, all right, let's talk about this mm-hmm. with all this chaos happening around them, which he, I don't know if he's yelling, all right, y'all listen to this, right. you know, punches being flying around, right. but they were in this bubble because they were with him, mm-hmm. which I mean, you see that, like there was times where people tried to throw him off the mountain, mm-hmm. off of a hilltop. And it says Jesus would walk right through the midst of them. You know what I mean? He, he would do this stuff. He would even cloak himself and his disciples sometimes. John 10. John, the end of John 9 and John 10, like he, when he's leaving John 9, they're, trying to, they're in the temple trying to arrest him, going to kill him. And him and his disciples just walked out unseen somehow hmm. and walked and met a blind guy on the way out. And it's just like, I, how did he have this ability to cloak yeah. himself? But it's like there's something to being hidden in the shadow, the secret place of the Most High, abiding with him where you realize like, whoa, wait a second, we're safe wherever we're at. Mm -hmm. And I think he wants to do this for people. He wants to walk with them in such a way like, hey, listen, if you're in me and you're you're with me, you are safe. And if you're in fear, 
you're abiding in something that is a lie, and if you'll just come to me, I'll take you out of it. You know, every Christian probably knows Psalm 23, mm-hmm. but it's like you got David writing a psalm that's prophetic about Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd, which Jesus calls himself that shepherd in John 10. Okay. But it's like the shepherd of Israel, and it's like the Lord is my shepherd. I'm not going to want, but he's like he leads me besides these beautiful still waters and this quiet green grass and all this stuff. But even if he leads me through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to be afraid. It's like, I think he got the game of the matrix. Like this world is plastic and it doesn't matter if the conditions are perfect or if I'm in the valley of the shadow, you know, death itself is this monster's breathing down my neck. His rod and staff, they, they cause me to be comfortable. Like they comfort me. He puts a, he puts a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And this is a guy who was hunted. They wanted to cut his head off. Yeah. And he's saying like, he actually, when the enemy's there, I can sit down, take my armor off and actually eat because even in the presence of fear, God's doing something where he's actually feeding me and growing me. He's leading me into something. And this is the matrix, man. And this is the walk of that, of the spirit. And I think the apostle Paul's touching into it. Everybody's touching it through, through the whole Bible. And it's like, look, don't get into this place of medicating all your fears because you don't have the love. You don't have the joy and the peace and, and the patience in your heart. Like if, if, you're, if you're not having those things, don't get into a place of reaching into what's called the works of the flesh in order to medicate yourself in order to get those because it won't work and it won't last. But your inheritance will work and will last. And it's called walking with him, walking with God who is spirit. And I think that's that's our only real play. The only thing that really lasts for anybody or works. Yeah. You know? So, all right, so let me ask you this. Do you consider, or not do you consider, do you interpret the word as such that if I do consume ayahuasca, smoke weed, or is that sin? No. Okay. I and I know that's going to be controversial you know, whatever, I'm, I've signed up for this life, you know, but I, I don't, I don't consider anything to be, I'm not going to call something a sin or define it in the scripture because it doesn't define sin in the new covenant. Okay. What it does do is it talks about relationship that's been given to us in this walk. Like James, Jesus half brother, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he, he defines sin by he who knows the good that he ought to do and does not do it to him. It is sin. Mm-hmm. In other words, like, Hey, you're going to be led of the Lord. And if you violate that, then yeah, that's sin. Then you've missed it. And so, yeah, I think that if you, if you sit down for a, a say on an ayahuasca, you know, <laughs> whatever, right. and you're in a relationship to God and for somehow you really just believe God's giving you this green light, you know, like to him, he, you know, that's going to be on a person by person basis. Do I have an opinion of how I think that will go? If you're in a relationship with God, I do. Mm. I do, but I'm not going to institute that my opinion as as someone else's law. I'm more concerned with people actually knowing the Lord and walking with Him. Yeah, there are certain things, dude. Not to cut you off, but yeah. I mean, we we heat up beans in water yeah. to give us energy. Right. I mean, the, the majority of Americans do, anyways, yeah. around the world. Yeah. We put fire on water and heat up some beans. Right. But some people put fire on leaves and breathe it in. Right. And, um, you know what I mean? And so like, I'm not, I don't want to be the the one pointing a finger at anybody for what they do. I'm not going to, you know, suggest certain things. You know what I'm saying? I I personally, I'm not going to, I'm not a marijuana guy. I don't, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to eat a mushroom. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Or, 
or what you know whatever all these things are um you know but i'm not gonna try to make laws out of something especially literal vote you know laws in our country out of something that i think the majority of psycho or what is psychiatric drugs i guess Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, i think you know some somebody taking something natural is probably a lot better for them yeah than taking something chemical that's not yeah personally yeah um you know but i mean i i would like to see both replaced with people actually knowing god yeah and actually getting to the to the issue of their fear which is robbing their life and actually seeing god actually come and manifest himself inside of that fear heal them from the inside out and need nothing right because they're made in the image of god and they're walking with him their whole yeah like that's my lane you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't want to step into another lane of like what's right and what's wrong and, and, and say, you know, what you can and can't do legally and all this stuff, you know, I want to vote, you know what I mean? But right. I'm not going to flex yeah. a, a new, a new rule book, a new knowledge of good and evil on somebody. Yeah. And see, that's the thing I think a lot of people miss about Christians. And that's why I, I wanted to spend some time there is that and and granted, our, a lot of our, at least our professing brothers and sisters have given people reason to believe this, right? That you thou shalt this, thou shalt that. And then all of a sudden we twist it into, you know, now you can't dance. Now you can't do this. And yeah. we, it starts to the, the, the lines between um, what is sin for us, you know, as convicted by the Holy spirit and the sins that man just creates and then decides to make universal. Those, those lines get blurred. Mm-hmm. So to that person out there that may have heard some of that, and it's just like, wait, are you telling me, Daniel Turner, pastor, Jason's pastor, that it, that you're not going to call me out and say sinner and wag your finger at me because I do you know, fill in the blank? Um, so if that's the case, how do I know right from wrong, and how do I how does that develop? And, and by the way, is there are there times when I once did a thing and thought it was bad, but all of a sudden it now is conflicting with me. So if I do it and I'm in conflict, does that make it a sin? Whereas it, so can something once upon a time, it wasn't a sin and now it is, it's just, it's just unique to the individual. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's a tough question, but it's interesting, but it's, it's like what James said, he who knows the good he ought to do and does not do to him in mm-hmm. sin. So it's, 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 like, it's almost personal. It's like, what? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's something to not violating love, which I think is like, you know, it's, it's interesting. There's this letter, I think it's in Acts 15, um, when there was people that came into the church. They were Jewish. Mm-hmm. And they had been converted, but they were coming into the very, like, infant stage of the church, of Christianity. And they're saying, hey, there's still some aspects of the law that you have to keep. There's certain things you have to do. And one of them was circumcision, you know? Mm-hmm. And so... They were coming in, which is Paul's writing about this in Galatians 1, 2, and 3. But he's really strong worded against it. But um, the story itself is in Acts 15. And, and it's like they were coming and they were trying to institute things that we well, still have to be circumcised and there's certain things you got to do, whatever. And luckily, Paul basically shows up on the scene to really, I mean, he, was, he had been like a terrorist himself. Mm-hmm. You know, he had been so, formerly Saul. But he, he comes in and, and, and ends up delivering the letter. But Peter and the other apostles end up praying and writing a letter to the churches. Like, all right, this is going to be our rules. And I've, I've, you know, I don't have it in front of me, but it's something along the lines of, I think they gave him three rules. We know that some people have come in you 
come into the church and they've really troubled you guys with the things that you're supposed to be walking out. This is Acts 15. And, and, um, but we're going to tell you to abstain from sexually immoral, sexual immorality, you know, because you can't love your neighbor as yourself this way. Mm-hmm. Sexual immorality, um, things that have been strangled, things that have, and, and food that's been sacrificed to idols. Mm-hmm. You know, food that's been strangled or still has its blood in it. So, you know, killing, you know. Um, if you abstain from these things, you should do well. Okay. And then, you know, farewell, you know, whatever. Right. And it's funny, the way they even started the letter was like, it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit not to lay anything else on you other than this. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, wait a second. So like, those are our rules. So don't eat something strangled, <laughs> strangled to death with, with the blood still in it. Mm-hmm. Don't like just grab an animal and start biting it like, like a savage. <laughs> um, things that have been sacrificed to the idols. And, and um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and like that's our only rules. And it's funny, it says like, you know, Paul was one of the guys that was delivering this letter. They sent it out to several different churches and regions. But it's it, it's funny. The Bible's like when people received the letter, they received it with gladness. <laughs> Which I was like, yeah, I bet. So because yeah. here's like, say there's a hundred people at your church meeting, and all of us do, we're all waiting. Like, all right, so now we're, we all have to have surgery. Right. We have to <laughs> be circumcised, and and they show up with this letter, and like, actually, you don't. And, and of course, they everyone received it with gladness. They're like, yeah, you know, saying like. There's literally no rules in this, yeah. which people think is a license to sin. And so it's like, we've got to enforce rules. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but the reality is, is man was not meant to live in this sin conscious way, this consciousness of sin constantly. In other words, like we weren't meant to live trying not to do certain things. Mm-hmm. That's not what Christianity is about. It's about Jesus coming into your life, his spirit coming into you in inside of you. And changing you from the inside out. Mm-hmm. And then those desires and those things that you were using to medicate yourself, which almost always have to do with fear and pain, all, all, almost all addiction does, those inability to love others because you don't love yourself, which is why Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, was like the top. Love God first, love your neighbor as yourself. Like, th- this is the greatest of the commandments, you know? And, um, this, this inability, like, it changes from the inside out. And, and when you don't see that, like, real rigid religion, even in Christianity, like, real legalistic, it's like you see pe- uh, people that are mean, cruel, judgmental, harsh, but they don't manifest any of the fruit of the kindness, peace, joy, and love of the Holy Spirit because they're not, they're denying the actual power of that, you know, that real transformative thing. Right. You know, and we were never meant to be con- sin conscious to or actually living in a way trying not to do something. Mm-hmm. We were supposed to walk in the spirit. And that's a, back to Galatians 5. It's like walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill those lusts of the flesh. In other words, like it's not don't try to do these things. Why well, do you still want to do this? Well, is this okay now? It's like you, if you enter into this relationship with God, like you're not going to be thinking this way. Mm-hmm. You're going to be full of life and you're going to be following him in your life and you're not going to be well can I get away with this now or is now that it okay for me to do this like like that's not even a that's not of a, a thought process of somebody who has the mind of the Holy Spirit living within them yeah I think that's one of the things that like for me with this whole and I talk about it a lot on the show over the last now going on five years having never had a drink of alcohol and it's it's not and by the way to the listener just my usual disclaimer this isn't about scruples it's not about telling you hey you shouldn't drink again because I think it's a sin or it's anything like that it uh, it's shifting my focus 
on what, on who the man that I want to be during this time on earth, that just didn't figure into it. Mm. And, and then once, once I made that conscious decision, then the actions that followed of doing, making the healthier choices that did not involve that, mm. it, it wasn't hard. And I don't know. And, and every, every individual is unique, you know, and I think that there might be somebody that it may not have happened. It, you know, quitting cold Turkey and just going and, and being okay with it. That may not work for everybody, but I can tell you, I think the thing that really made it stick for me was just focusing on the things that I knew to be good for me, of which that was not one of them. And then it just kind of faded away. And I guess you know, the things of this world, they just start to kind of fall away, right? Once you're, once you get that, that focus, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't about trying not to. Exactly. It was yeah. like this, oh, it's just not in my priorities of what I'm trying to do. Right. You know, and you know, it's, it is different from everyone. Yeah. And, um, you know, some people have trouble speaking of drinking. Some people, that's like, I need that to take the edge off. Sure. Or I need that to go to sleep because, you know what I'm saying? It's like, well, yeah, the, if something's a crutch, it's a crutch. It is what it is. You know? Right. Right. But for some, you know, Jesus drank wine and it's just like, people call him a wine bibber. I don't mm. know what that word means. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but cousin John the Baptist, dreadlock John, wasn't drinking nothing. Right. You right. Know, he's a Nazarite vow. You know, he was... Crushing locusts and honey. And, and But that's what God had for him. Yep. You know what I mean? And some of it's because he was the greatest prophet of all time. John was. And, and it was like, you're going to be a pure human. Like, there's not... There's there's going to be no influence other than my influence on your life. And, and so he had this strict... You know, he had this... Re- for some reason, that was him, and then the Son of God Himself walking around drinking wine. You know, the first sign ever was changing water to wine. Yeah. Controversial. Yeah, yeah. And it's not. You know, well, that's non-alcoholic. Well, that's that's a crazy thing to say because that didn't exist right. until like a hundred years ago. You know what I mean? That people could even do that. It was Welches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I, I, you know, the Welches aren't they the ones that actually first took alcohol out of? Juice, I think so. Yeah, think, to, you know, to make grape juice. Yeah, yeah that, exactly. It was. Yeah, it's exactly. It was, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think they were there back then. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. But, right. but regardless, um, you know, I, it's when you start touching this type of stuff, people get super uncomfortable. I know. You know what I mean? It's like super uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, because we've we've thought that we have to. The system uses fear, even the religious system, just like the world system. Yeah. That medicates fear. Yeah. The religious system uses fear to control people. Yeah. And to keep them in a certain certain way. But I think that's that is the issue. You know, it's it's interesting. So Nietzsche, I've just now started really digging deep into, you know, uh, the writings and the of uh, and the philosophy of Nietzsche and who, you know, is the one who first proclaimed that, you know, God is dead. Mm-hmm. And but his, but his idea and even though he was a a nihilist and all, and all this that and kind of developed the thoughts of nihilism that nothing matters, none of this is worth anything. When he said God is dead, he was essentially saying, "Okay, now you've killed God. Now what are you going to do, man? Now you're left to figure it out on your own if that's what you want." And that's a very troubling thing. So it, he was this really interesting character in that while he was certainly uh, at times hostile toward all the religions, he also understood their place and their in, in society. Mm. And I think that, and one of the things that he always said was, religion was created, this is Nietzsche, not what I believe, of course, but Nietzsche, he, he was of the mind that 
religion, organized religion, was created to control man. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and also the elites, the, the top of the top, even they needed something greater than themselves to look to, lest they get, lest they actually go. Wait a minute, you mean? I'm actually responsible for all of this that I've created. They just would fall under the weight of that. And so they, he, he is of the mindset that that's why religion was created. Um, right now, it seems like, and again, because com- what comes with that is fear and all these other things. Mm. Now it seems like another type of religion, which is just complete secularism, is mm. being kind of manifest. And it comes with its own sorts of fear. For example, you said it's going to be controversial within the Christian community to say, no, I don't think it's a sin to smoke weed. That's controversial. And a lot of pastors have been, there was a time whenever it was really, you know, you know, you said absolutely, you know, if you were in the South in America, you'd hear, yes, that's a sin, you know. Mm-hmm. Then it gets to the point where it's like, no, do whatever you want to do. Just make sure you come in and bring your checkbook and look at all of our big lights and everything we're doing. And so now, the, so the church is just so diluted. Now, meaning yeah. the church, meaning the, the actual physical, you know, kind of apparatus. As a, whole, as a uh, yeah. majority. And so, but now as a result, by diluting that out of fear of lose of our marketing plan not being executed properly, right? Secularism, secularism has risen, and now I think there's a call to arms going back to where this all started. A line being drawn in the sand. Where where are you? Mm-hmm. And a boldness and a I think right now more than ever you, we need fearless, and I'm going to say fearless men in particular. I'm going to speak for the men. That's that's what I am, and you know, and that's so I know I know the most about that uh, that species. I think now, and so I would ask you, as fear of a different sort takes over during this time, what? How does that manifest as believers in particular, and as men and as leaders in this culture that right now it seems to be just confusing? It's you know, it's crumbling. It's it's things are being redefined. How how should we be casting out all fear and living boldly and firmly and courageously? at this time I think it goes to actually believing the Bible okay. believing the words of the Lord okay. fully and I think that's where the line in the sand is Okay. I think that's where the control which is fear on both sides of, both sides of the tracks of, of saying the wrong thing of being politically correct of yep. being too loose you know yep. all this stuff it's like look man am I going to oh do you so do you believe uh, smoking marijuana is a sin. Well, like, I'm not going to call it a sin. But I will tell you, just like, um, I'm getting wrapped up in courts, just like, um, you know, from Enoch on, that the Bible does say that there's certain things that you entertain that in doing this, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. It will not work for you. Mm-hmm. However, you just might tie yourself up into some other things mm-hmm. that will harm you. Mm-hmm. Now, is that a sin? It's like, no, but it's, it's going to, it's going to cost you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And me, I think somebody asked me this recently there. We were talking about, I don't remember if it was DMT, uh, ayahuasca, something like that. They're like, what would you do it? And I was like, I'm not to the point. I would, I would not do it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do anything to where I see that I'm going to give anything dark, the ability to actually touch, lay its hands on me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to step over on the other side of the tracks in any, in any way that leaves me vulnerable to taking a shot. I'm going to abide in the Lord. Right. You know what I mean? And yep. I'm, I'm going to live in truth. And so when, you know, by not 
demonizing something, calling it a sin, it's, it's also not condoning it. And I think there's a level of courage. People are afraid, speaking of fear in that system of religion, people are afraid to actually communicate what the gospel does say and what it doesn't say. Oh, absolutely. And the reality is that, like, hey, we can, we can take everything that he said and choose to believe it because the war in the world right now is the war over what is real. It's the war over reality. Mm-hmm. And mankind, as men, we were created, and women, because he made man, male and female sure. in his image. Like, we were created in his image to manifest him in the earth. And so we're called to be the dictators of what reality really is. Mm-hmm. And Jesus comes and he demonstrates how we do that. Mm-hmm. And he does it constantly. And, he, and that's all he articulates is the kingdom of heaven. But he also says that the kingdom of heaven is here and it is now. And I think so the world is coming with their, um, with their description and what's good and what's right and what's moral and what's wrong and what's right and what's you know, virtue signaling and all these things. Um, but we as the church, as Christians, we've got to be at that place where it's like, hey, the kingdom of heaven is, is, at, is actually at hand. It can, be, it can be implemented, and the reality of it wrapping itself over the whole earth is really up to us right now. We can manifest this reality, and we don't do, we don't do that by hiding from issues. We don't do that from trying to blend in and be okay and be cool with the world. We do that by not denying the power of this gospel and actually living it in real time in front of people and actually having real answers and um, not just being not being chased away by diagnoses right mm-hmm. not being not being thrown off by things that we don't know how to answer you know just saying hey like I'm going to choose to believe what the Lord has said and what he's done in humanity is for is for here and is for now and walk that transformational reality in a way that con- might be contradictory but I believe it is the answer to everything that the world's looking for. What a real man is, what a real woman is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's what, what a human is. Right, right. And so with regard to this time in the trajectory of existence, because a lot of people will hear that, they'll say, wait a minute, the, the kingdom is here and now. So, so Daniel, are you saying that we're already living in heaven? You know, are we? Is this what heaven looks like? Is yeah, well, okay. What what are the? And we mentioned the matrix. Okay, so if this is plastic, what does the real thing actually look like? Yeah, I think it's it is the absence of everything we know, which came in through that fall, that came in through that tree. Hmm. Every bit of darkness, which every bit of fear is like the root of it all. You know what I mean? Because mankind got tricked into doing something to be something that he already was. And it, and it took him backwards. And not only did it take him backwards, the imager of God, the one who was called to image God, was, was the very thing that was missing from the earth. Mm-hmm. Mankind took a fallen, a fallen um, projection. Mm-hmm. You know, became something we were never supposed to be. Until Jesus comes back and walks as the express image of God, as it says, you know, the, the, the image of deity embodied, Colossians says, you know, he comes and he shows us what it looks like to walk as one of us, just like our dad. Yeah. And, um, that is the reality. And then, I mean, the prayer we, we prayed before our basketball games in high school, which was really just for good luck because none of us were Christians or living anything about it. But it's like our father who are in heaven, one, God is your dad, you're creating his image. 
hallowed be your name, which means separate, which, which means set apart. In other words, your name has been drugged through mud, and you've been portrayed in a way that is not really you. And the imagers have done this because we've imaged something different. Mm-hmm. So separate and holy be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. And that's it. And that prayer right there is like not, not like when we all die or when Jesus comes back and takes the world over a thousand years. You know, all these different theories and stuff. It's like your kingdom come now and your will be done now on the earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread, which was the manna from heaven. That's the, the quote of Exodus 16. Let us, let us enter back into the relational communication that Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Let us walk in forgiveness, yours of the kingdom and power and glory forever. This, this reality like, hey, we're supposed to walk so whole as people who are not touched by the fall. Yeah. Every bit of darkness, every bit of sickness, every bit of fear, every depression, all these things are not our inheritance, right? Mm-hmm. The works of the flesh, you know, all those things will not cause us to reverse those things. Even medicine will not fully cause us. Does it mean it's a sin? No. Tom Cruise? No. It doesn't mean it's a sin, right? Mm-hmm. It just means that it's not, it's not lasting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, but if we abide in our true nature, in, our true, in the true reality of what Jesus paid for, we're walking out of that. And it's not even, it's not even like, okay, I, got, I have a growth on my arm, you know what I'm saying? Call the prayer. Team, let's let's get this thing right. This ain't this ain't my God. This ain't my inheritance. You know what I'm saying? It's not something we believe when when we get uncomfortable. Mm. When our American Christianity, I'm uncomfortable now, so now I have to choose to believe this. It's something we're living on a thought by thought daily basis. Like in other words, like the thought that comes through my mind that's fearful, that's insecure, um, that's perverted, whatever it could be that that that's in that's in me should be as foreign to me as a purple growth popping out of my elbow. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. If I really believe this this reality, and if I'm really connecting to him and I'm walking in this relationship and I'm believing what he's accomplished when he said it's finished, he reversed everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm believing that, then I'm as, I'm as militant with my mind as I would be a cancerous tumor popping out of my knee. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's like, it, and it's, it's written that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, we take every thought captive that exalts itself above this knowledge. Yeah. That exalts itself above the knowledge of God and submit it to Jesus Christ. He's our new filter. He is our new grid. He is our inheritance. We are of him. He is of us. And we start to walk in this, this level of discipline where we're being conformed into that image. And that's our only ritual in Christianity. Yeah. He said, eat this bread and drink this wine. Yeah. You know, it's like, this is my body, which is broken for you to sever you from the penalty of the fall. This is my the blood of my new covenant, which actually washes you to completely sin as if you've never partaken of any of it. And you can step out of this lineage into your true lineage, which you were never meant to. I mean, Adam never had a cold. You know what I mean? He, yeah. didn't, he didn't have sickness. He didn't have, you know, he didn't have these, these issues that we have today. And Jesus is like saying, hey, like, if you really look into the Bible and you look at the stuff like the Apostle Paul saying in 1 Corinthians 10 and 11, when he's talking about communion, he's like, people don't take communion with reverence. They do it without reverence. And so many of them fall asleep early. Yeah. They die early. Many of them are weak. Many of them are sick. And many of many people fall asleep early because they don't take the communion with reverence. And I remember I went to a Baptist church as a kid, and when they would have that communion service once a month, that pe- the, pra- the preacher would get up and he'd be like, hey, you know, if you got some sin going on in your heart before you take this communion, you better go get right with God. Mm-hmm. 
because people take it and die. Mm-hmm. You know, did you ever hear that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's so it, funny. You know, Dr. Revan didn't say that at, uh, at First Baptist Sulphur <laughs> Springs, but yes, I have heard. Yeah, similar, I mean, it's, it's a thing. It's a real, it's mm-hmm. a real thing. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the guy, the church that my parents went to, he was educated and everything. So I don't even know. It's crazy. But in reality, the Apostle Paul saying, hey, they do without reverence. Yeah. Because so. They're not stepping into their true inheritance. They just think, oh, this is our new ritual. This is yeah. our new law of good and evil. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, dude, this is your inheritance. And Jesus is saying, like, do this in remembrance of me. Yeah. The Apostle Paul, Jesus came back and taught the Apostle Paul communion. Yeah. That's a lot of people don't know that. Like, he was crucified before Paul ever really, he didn't even get converted until later on. Oh, yeah. yeah. Jesus comes back in the desert of Arabia hanging out with a guy over a 14-year period. He's visiting him and teaches him communion. Yeah. Yeah. And he says that I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, Corinthian church, this is what the Lord taught me. Mm-hmm. He did this with the disciples and he taught me this as well. It's like, that's crazy. Yeah. But the thing is mystical. The Bible, the, a real relationship to the Lord is a very profoundly mystical thing. And the world is starving for it. Yeah. So you've got the drug use on one side, trying to medicate alcohol, whatever, trying to medicate everything that we're not stepping into, which Jesus has paid for us to walk in. Mm-hmm. And then you got on the world side, trying to experience God or I just believe there's something bigger you know I don't care who you are Graham Hancock all the way to mm-hmm. you know the guys you're talking about you know they there's such a thirst and hunger for that which is eternal and supernatural and spiritual yeah you know, Ecclesiastes 3 says it's in the heart of all mankind yeah Ecclesiastes 3.11 like that eternal seed so everybody's starving for it but it's found right here it's found in this relationship to him yeah but you know most people the enemy's done a good job, right? Because yeah. it said, if the rulers of this world would have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. They didn't know what he was doing. But now that they know what's going on, they flooded the market with the religious jargon. So when somebody comes, and that's honestly, that's the way I was. You see, like, some professional athlete on TV, like, you know, I just, the most important thing for me is my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They would say that, and I would just be like, shut up. Dude. You ain't got no, you ain't talking to nobody, man. That's fake. And, you know, it's like, you read a book for an hour. Every day, like what a miserable life! You you pray and read for an hour a day. That's I don't know why I thought an hour. That's just what I thought that they did. Yeah. But I was like, I will never do that. That's yeah. ridiculous. And that's what the world thinks. Yeah. So yeah. let me take a pill and get out of here. But there's actually someone to know. Yeah. There's actually someone to relate to. Yeah. And it's a different game. And it's know? it's interesting to me that um, and a lot of people that are you know completely you know non-believers or whatever are coming to. And this is kind of something we talked about before we started recording this morning is that all these physicians, <clears throat> health and wellness, biohackers, bio, you're hacking biology. I mean, think about it. Yeah. And, and, and the whole biohacking is all about keeping man-made stuff out. Synthetic foods, processed totally. foods, the drugs, um, you know, the, the wrong type of, of, of dirty. Exactly. Get it all. It's like getting all the man-made stuff out and and then understanding how your ancestral body was designed and how to work in coordinates with it. It's really kind of funny watching. And, and look, and, and, and someone who's learning himself going, oh, and like right there, like all I keep thinking about. With this whole deal of fear, and one of the potential complications 
of taking things that are going to basically, like you said, the gremlin on the shelf or the dragon. The dragon's still there. You're just going to pass out and go and maybe want to pet it. Or like, remember like Hannibal Lecter, whatever, you know, the reason why he was in prison because one of his patients, he gave him all these drugs and then started, made him cut his own face off. I mean, it's pretty disgusting. Yeah. And you, so you just completely what trip out. The With, lamb. The silence of the lambs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, ugh. And so if you're doing something un, unnatural, putting something into your body to relax your amygdala, which is the fight or flight, the protect me from the saber-toothed tiger behind the tree. <laughs> if you're doing something to numb that, mm. well, then guess what? There's a good chance you're going to get eaten by the saber-toothed tiger. Whereas instead, if you learn to control or slay the fear so that your amygdala stays intact. It's doing what it's supposed to do, but you just get yourself to a point, and, and literally, I'm just thinking out loud right now, folks, so please just bear with me while I process this out loud. I'm thinking that if you leave your amygdala intact, the, doing what it's supposed to do, instead of you going, oh my, it, it may tell you, hey, there might be a saber-toothed tiger behind that tree, but you're so aware, you're so conscious, you're so heightened in your senses that you go, no amygdala, thanks for the heads up, but no, that's not a saber-toothed tiger. I know exactly what that is, so let's just keep on trucking. Mm. Whereas if you were doing something that could relax it, rest it, and again, make you susceptible to not addressing the false fear, then all of a sudden it keeps you in a really bad situation. Yeah, dude, and change, change your, changing your, your gears. I mean, how much percentage of our brain do we use? Oh, yeah. Or do we not use? Yeah, right. Right. And we're, we're all talking about, well, let's just spirit, which is natural, but we've been given this vessel mm-hmm. as a spirit inside of an eternal spirit inside this body. We've been breathed of God, mm-hmm. but the vessel is of the earth, really of Eden, I believe. Right. You know, and so it's just like we, we have these capabilities that we're not tapping at all, physically or spiritually. Yeah. We, and we've neglected them. And, we, and we've kind of done workarounds in order to get this stuff. But in reality, I mean... Jesus rode on a donkey that had never been ridden before. Mm-hmm. You can't ride a donkey for one, unless it's been broke. Broke. Right. It's not even as easy as a horse. Right. You know what I'm saying? Adam lived with animals. That's one thing about Jesus. In the when he went out for the forty days and forty nights, and Satan ends up coming tempt him all kinds of different ways. It, I think it's Mark. It says he was in the forest, but in the wilderness, but he was with the wild beasts. Yeah. Even the animals that are like man eaters mm-hmm. and, and violent, so it's like it's very specifically written in there. Like he was living like the last Adam was living the way Adam used to live. Mm-hmm. Like he was, I don't know if it's an amygdala deal now, right? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But he was like not governed by fear, like oh, fight or flight. It was it was something different. Yeah, it was like saber tooth tire could have been out there if yeah. it wasn't extinct. I'm sure it was, but you know, what I'm saying it could have yeah. mountain lion or whatever they had a bear or whatever, and it was just like nobody. Yeah. Yeah, I made you. We're well, actually friends. Well, <laughs> you and that's know what a, I mean? well, and how do you tame fear that you don't even know you have? I mean, like, how do you? It's, it's kind of like the the to really get biblical, like in Evan Almighty. You know, whenever whenever God is portrayed by Morgan Freeman rolls up and <laughs> says, "You've been wanting patience. Would you? Would if you wanted patience, would not would God not give you the opportunity to be patient? Mm. Right? It's would you not be? Would He not give you? A time to flex that muscle and set and it's like for me. I mean, there are times whenever I get scared about finances or or you know, like we were talking about our daughters. You know that they have, might have an illness or something. I get and then so then without that testing of my faith, you know, faith without works is dead, right? And so, am I thinking about it right? Like one hundred, yeah. There's got to be that. Jesus literally said that because we think about the parable of the sower, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And like you think about like Mark four, 
going through all this. So the, the, seed, the seeds are the words of the kingdom, the mm-hmm. words of life, you know. And he's, the seed goes on four different types of ground, right? You know, one of them, it, it bears 30, 60, and 100. But the other one's like the rocky ground. One has weeds and one's like so stony it doesn't, you know, or one the birds come and prick it up the air. And so he ends up telling his disciples, well, the ones that the birds come and prick it up, that's like Satan takes the word mm-hmm. right out of their heart. You know, the ones with the rocky, they... They, they get excited about it, like, amen, brother. They're, they're fired up about the word, but they don't really have any root in themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it says when persecution arises because of the seed, mm-hmm. when the contradiction comes because of the seed, they actually don't have any root. And so they let it go. And I think there's a key right there. It's like a lot of times the persecution or the contradiction to what we're actually supposed to be and live, the resistance is not there to take us out. It's, it's there to get us to dig in deeper. Like what you were just saying, it's like it's a muscle. We, I get then I, you said something about finance or whatever. So then the situation comes. It's like then you have an opportunity to really lock down on what you truly believe. Mm-hmm. Like no, I'm not going to allow this to make me fearful. I'm still going to be generous. Or I'm still going to be in faith, and I'm actually, I'm not going to look to hide. I'm going to look to maybe there's an opportunity to actually thrive or to invest right now. Maybe that's the play. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 choosing like when when the. When that resistance scum comes, and Jesus said, because of the seed, like it comes for it, it comes to establish it. The, the opposite comes in order to help establish it. That's our, that's our chance. That's our time. And I don't think I think we're so used to running from things, which is just like what mm-hmm. we're talking about with sure chemicals or whatever else. It's like, but hey, like what about the capability? What is the amygdala? What what is it truly? Mm-hmm. What is what is what is our spirit and our body capable of seeing and discerning and feeling? And I'm not saying we, maybe it's it's the it's the center where we right. where we talk to animals like Adam used to and say, <laughs> "No, you're no little rattlesnake. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you, you don't bite me." Right. You know. Right. But the messianic kingdom mm-hmm. of Isaiah 11 it does talk about that. Right. I mean, it's like. The Messianic kingdom of Isaiah 11 is beautiful. Speaking of walk in the spirit and you won't feel the lust in the flesh. It talks about the spirit of God that was going to come in Christianity. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about the root of Jesse. It's very parabolic, which is Jesus. But he says these seven spirits are going to be upon him. The spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, uh, uh, spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord, and the very spirit of the Lord. These seven, which is like the sevenfold spirit of the book of Revelation, right? And so it's going to be upon this this root of Jesse, and he's going to take the world over. And his tongue is going to smite the world. It's going to boom. And we're thinking like, man, this messianic king is going to be like Samson mm-hmm. times 10. But in reality, the word of his mouth was, was going to be the word of the love of God, and it was going to flip the whole world upside down. But then it talks about the messianic kingdom, and it says all these weird things like about little children leading around right. wild animals, yeah. little babies playing next to uh, a cobra's hole, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. putting his hand in the hole. And it's like, they say all these things that to us is like a contradiction. Oh no. You know, like right. I wouldn't let my dog pet a Rottweiler, let right. him right. lead around some, you know, a bear and, and a lion lying, uh, a lion and a goat or a lamb and all these different things, let alone let my baby play near the, the, the hole of a snake and all these things. But he's saying like, Hey, like you guys perceived everything through fear, but there's a capability in humans that you will have to release the kingdom of heaven, to abide into this into this peaceful domain on the earth that this one person is going to release. This one person who's going to have the spirit of God upon him, which we know is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he's going to do something that's going to cause it to spread over the earth. And that's, that's, 
that's when we talk about the kingdom of heaven is at hand, like Jesus said. When we talk about like heavens, you know, I don't, I don't believe we're we're obviously not. Uh, my definition of heaven on earth is the absence of the fall on the earth. Okay. But I do, but I do believe we're supposed to cultivate that reality in our households, and in our families, and in our churches. Like they're supposed to be a, a city that is a, um, an embassy almost, mm-hmm. like of a foreign place in this country. That's a city that's on a hill. That's a light that's on a hill. That its culture is different. That its vibe is different. Our our vibe is supposed to be different. We're supposed to have a, a peace and a joy that's not chemical. That our people are like people want what we have. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Have you yeah. ever seen somebody that's like unhealthy, yeah. and every, and then they just get really just lose a bunch of weight or whatever. You know they they're walking better. They're just and everyone's like, "Wow, you look incredible!" Right? It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like that's that's that is us. Yeah. And I, I think we've resorted on the Christian side of the tracks is like follow these rules, join our clubs, pay our tax, and you'll go to heaven when you die. Right. But if you don't, you're going to be tormented forever. Yeah. Forever too now. Mm-hmm. Not just a little bit. You know, it's going to happen forever. Like Jesus was tormented terribly. Yeah. For a few hours. Yeah. A day. You know. But you're going to do it forever. Okay, <laughs> because you don't believe what I believe you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of the kindness of God leading to repentance and people seeing Jesus, like make disciples of all nations. He's not like, go scare everybody that they're going to go get burned in conscious torment forever. You know right. What I mean? Right. He's like, make disciples. It's like, they should want what you have and you should embody it. You should, right. you should embody this in your vessel that people are like, Wow. Yeah. You're looking good. Like, right. What is this? Right. right. Know, I mean, there's scriptures all, all throughout about like they should be confounded by the reality that you're not afraid. Yeah. It's just like that you're at peace. And yeah. I think that's that's where we're at. I love it, man. I love it. Well, dude, I think this was uh I think this was good. I mean, I think there's. I think we covered some good topics. Let's see, how, how are we doing here, dude? We've been going an hour and ten minutes. Well, yeah, been, quick. been yeah. kind of crushing it. I went by quick. Yeah. The last thing I, one thing I want to, this is where I want to end it, I guess, and we'll pick up. I mean, we're going to do this as many times as you're willing. Um, second time this week, second time in as many days that someone has mentioned, you know, throwing the seeds on, you know, fertile ground or thorns or whatever. The way it was, I was talking to a buddy of mine about it this week was when we are faced with the quote-unquote, well, the secular world, a lot of our messages, dude, a lot of what we say, and we say lovingly or whatever, I mean, we are, it's more and more becoming what, what we believe or what we might say to someone, even if asked, can be all of a sudden flipped and turned into, oh, that was hate speech that you just said to me. Mm-hmm. He made the point, and I, and I, he made the point that it's like it's not our job to decide where that seed falls and what happens to it, but it is indeed our our job to plant the seed. Mm-hmm. Um, is that is that the the way we should think about? It? Like, if you were to ask me, like like I asked you earlier on the weed question, is it a sin or someone or, or if I see somebody that is living a life that is not of not what's best for, you know, what God's best for them as we hear a lot. Should I be bold and direct with them? Do and just 
throw that seed out there. Go, Lord, all right, here we go. I know this dude's going to hate me and maybe get me fired and maybe get me scorned and kicked out of my club. But boom, there's the seed. Mm-hmm. How do you, what does that look like? I think, I think there's a trap in the seed when, when, we're think, when we're still thinking through the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay. That we're coming in a way that somehow this convictor of like, hey, this is, you're wrong, mm-hmm. you know, or you're this. It's easy to get into a nature that's not the Lord's because the the title Satan is the accuser, he is the opposer. Like legally, he is the one who comes and tells you what's wrong with you. And I think the seeds of the kingdom are the seeds of life, and they speak what are not as though they are. Mm-hmm. They see something different. Revelation nineteen ten says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, prophecy or even encouraging people comes from seeing them through the testimony of who Jesus says and like the way he values them, that he gave his life for them. And it's not like, hey, you're living in this way and you're you're all these things. It's like the ability to see somebody almost as if they had never been touched by the fall and speak into their true identity. And I think that's a power that a majority of the church, I feel, completely has completely backwards because they see God as an accuser. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem because he's not. They see... They've been taught that the Holy Spirit is the convictor of their sins, and that's his role in, in the life of the believer. And that's taken John 16 so so out of context that it's that it's actually said that that God is actually the accuser and, they, and they've blurred the lines. And that's where it comes to like how it be your name. And so like our play in this life is to call forth the light and the truth in others. And if that's the seed we're sowing, I think we just you can't sow it enough. Mm-hmm. You can't sow enough of the encouragement and love and life and light of God it, um, to who somebody is. You're, you're speaking into the destiny that they have, the purpose that they have. Like, love, man, to me, is a, is a, was a gross word. I love you, man. It's like, that's awkward, you know? <laughs> right. I wasn't in the church game long enough yeah. to, like, be deconditioned to that, so it grossed me out. Um, but, but value... The love of God is value. Mm-hmm. And I think when you share value with somebody, like you're valuable, you're important. You know what I'm saying? You have purpose, you have destiny. And especially if you if you can see it through the Spirit, by, you know, so in, a, in a prophetic way, I think that dog will hunt nine times out of ten before anything condemning. And so I don't know if that really answers the question, but I think um, when it's there's a difference in coming after people or speaking the, the value of life to them. Because if you look at Jesus' life, you know, his disciples were wanting to, like, murder people at one point, right? Mm-hmm. And he still wasn't accusing them. Yeah. You're a spirit. This is a spirit of murder. You're that. He just said, you don't know what spirit you're of, but this is what I'm of. Yeah. So Luke 9 says, you don't know what spirit you're of. The Son of Man did not come to destroy men's life, but he came to save men's life. Like, that. that's what I am, which was like, yo, that's what you guys are. You're in my inheritance. It's like, you're not trying not, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. to call, to do something backwards or to come at somebody, hey, you're living wrong and you're this and that. It's like you're in a relationship to and say, hey, I know the real you. I've had somebody. I've had somebody on drugs in this town. I don't usually like to use personal stories but uh, that are current in the town that I'm in, you know, whatever, but I'm a storyteller. But I, I've had somebody that was belligerent, like on drugs, yelling at me mm-hmm. and, and in, in anger. And he's like, and you know, I can't deal with that. And I literally just spoke to who, was, who he truly was, even though he was intoxicated mm-hmm. at the time. And I said, no, I know you, man. 
I know that you're kind. I know that you're good. And I know that you love people. I know you truly are. That's not who you are. And it was, it was almost like somebody like took a syringe and like drew, drew the chemical out of him. Yeah. It like calmed him down. And it was just like, uh, and he was clicking and stuff. He was like kind of mm-hmm. twitching and stuff. It was just, like, uh, uh, you know what I mean? It just, it kind of diffused the reality. It's like, I know who you are. I don't need to tell you that you're missing that mark. Right. Or what you, that you're living a lie. I want to tell you who you really are. And that's the contrast. And that's what Jesus did, man. He, this is a woman caught in adultery. Yep. Yeah. And it's like, dude, he's like, well, you're, you're, you're a slutty girl. Yeah. I mean, you're nasty. Yeah. And it's just like, it's, it's just like, he just ignored the process, started drawing on the ground. <laughs> you know, yeah. He just like, yeah. And uh, ignored them. Yeah. Yeah. If you're without sin, cast the first stone, like yeah. kind of like, I don't participate in that mm-hmm. knowledge of good and evil and what's right and what's wrong and kill people and punish. And like, I don't do that, but just let me know when you guys are done and I'll get back up and continue talking. It was during a message. Right. And um, they left. He's like, oh, hey, woman, where are the accusers of yours? Mm-hmm. They're gone. I'm like, oh, well, I don't. Yeah. And, and uh, like, that's God right there showing us, like, hey, I'm not the accuser. She knows what she's in. She doesn't need me to do something to her. Yeah. Religion. The law brought her in here. Jesus didn't. But right. he sure used it, man. <laughs> brought it right to him. He's like, well, I don't, well, don't sin anymore. Yeah. Go and be your true self. And he gained a follower. You know what I mean? Yeah. A brilliant one. Oh, you know yeah. I mean, that probably touched, her life probably touched. I mean, it did touch because it's written down. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's our play. The love of God is our only sword. That's our only real weapon in this life. And and, and so when I think of seeds, and I think as parents, we, we have to, you know, there's, there's times when we're like, hey, I get on my girl, excuse me, that is not you. Yeah, that sounded really mean and rude, and that was cold. And hey, that is not who you are. I know who you are. Yeah. We're affirming. We're 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 speaking the truth and the life. But ne- we never want to come into that position where like our seeds or our our voice is accusatory. Yeah. But I think that's the that's that's the missing link, man. I could talk about that all day. We won't today. But it's like that is that is the missing link. People have seen God as bipolar. Mm-hmm. as kind and severe in, in a twisted way. Yeah. And so they've seen, and they've seen him as the accuser in the wrong way when his judgment was let there be light. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's his judgment. He pronounced, we deserved life right. for how crooked we were. Right. It's like, well, that's, uh, well, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 He um, was, he was, yeah. Again, he was called a savior, not an accuser. I mean, could you imagine, you know, rescuing somebody who's drowning and going, I'm not pulling you into this boat. Do you know what you've done? Do <laughs> yeah. you know? All right, now, no, I'm out. You know, no, that's I not got you. Yeah. But first, but first, let me have a few words. Call here. yourself. Yeah. Sinner. Right. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Maybe that'll be the, um, maybe that'll be our next uh, talk is just the love of God. Because I tell you, man, that is one that I struggled with forever. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of to your point, I, about the whole idea of love as someone who grew up from a very young age I mean I was saved when I was nine and so it was just very cultural it was a cultural thing as well as you know then as I grew older you know there, I made decisions that were more confirming I guess that's the way I've never said it that way but whatever um, but the whole idea of a loving God I was I was like no I, well, if that's that's a weird brand of love. Yeah. If you ask me, that's but I, and I, but I was so scared, and I was and I was OB. I was like, that's a weird brand of love, but okay, 
you yeah, know, must be what love that's is. what that's the Bible tells me so, right? I've been singing yeah. that song for a while, and so okay, I guess I believe it. And so maybe we should because that's there are some points that like I would love to. I always talk about how what would I say if I were with Bill Maher. You know, how would I behave? And I've always said, just not to pick on Bill Maher, but I I don't think he'll ever know who the heck Jason Wright is anyway, but we'd be like, dude, I... I've, I've got to love you. That's what I'm called to do. Is I'm called to love you, not to persecute you. And also, by the same token, kind of to, to your point is, I believe if you and I were at Stanley's Barbecue and Jesus rolled up, I don't think he would go, boys, what's up? I don't think he would even talk to us at first. I mean, maybe he would make his way to us. You better. But, <laughs> but he knows everything, right? Yeah, that's yeah. going on. I think that whoever's hurting most that has never really met him. I think that's who he's going to go to. Because, target him. Yeah, I think he'd be like, "Hey, I see you boys over there, but y'all know." And then that's just, and maybe that's my that's my man made version. I just think that Jesus is going to go love the unlovely. He's going to go love the one that not just Christians but secularists that that are outcast, downtrodden. They've done things that are bad, even in the eyes of the believer, the non believer. That's I think Jesus is going to go and go. Hey, let's hug it out. Let me target. Hey, you know that's a target list right there to me. Absolutely. That's like, hey, him telling us that it's better for you mm-hmm. that I go away than yeah. that I'm here. Yeah. Like, how can that be better? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to leave you orphans. That's why. Like, I'm going to be in you. Yeah. And so the reality is, is Jesus is at Stanley's. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's everywhere. Absolutely. We're at. Of course. And I think that's what it is. Yeah. He's waiting for people to us to get out of our own way. Yeah. And like, well, how am I being looked at here? Yeah, or like, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's just like he's wanting all that fearful mentality yeah. of acceptance and rejection and social and status and all that stuff, so that we're so free from looking at ourselves and covering ourselves with fig leaves. Can I tell you something? We didn't know we're naked. Maybe you can set me straight on something. I will tell you one thing oh. that I've been scared of. It's fear. It's <laughs> it's fear. Um, I took, I can't remember what verse it is, where it's, uh, it's in the New Testament, obviously, of he who denies me to man, I too shall deny him to my father. Mm-hmm. Is that Matthew or John? Not sure. Um, so I took that. It's like any time I felt like I was in the presence of someone that there was the slightest inkling of witnessing to sharing my faith or whatever, I was like, you better do it because by not doing it, because this isn't welling up in you from your own cognitive abilities or whatever, your own prompting. This is the the spirit of Christ telling you, hey, show this person some godly love. Pray for them, whatever. And if you don't do it, then I'm going to, you know, there's going to be. I mean, that's one of the things that I've dealt with for a while. Um, I haven't admitted, just I thought about that. Anything on that day was that was that unfounded fear or was that possibly just well I don't know. Yeah, I I don't think that I think there's context to that. Okay. In that situation. I mean, the leader of his whole crew denied him. Oh um, yeah. So it's like almost like every single human being got mm-hmm. got was included in like the denial. Like that's like even the top of our of the yeah. of the leader of his team. Really. Yeah. It was just like like that actually happened. Yeah. But there was still reversal yeah. that happened. He still came on to met him on the beach and talked to him how much he loved him. Yeah. Several times. Do you love me? If you must you love me, I'm giving you position. I'm giving you authority. I'm giving you a role. Right. Like I don't disqualify you. And so there's obviously something in language there. Unless he's contradicting himself. Yeah. Which is not. You yeah, know, right. there's obviously something in in language there into 
denying him and being denied by the Father is because he and the Father are one. Right. There's something that he's actually communicating in that. This is like the, I forget what it's called, the unforgivable sin. When he who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will right. never have forgiveness. Yeah. And so, hey, that's, that, that's one sin, speaking of knowledge of good and evil, that once you do that, you're out. 100% you're out. It doesn't matter. Well, right. I'm sorry, I want to become a Christian, but you talk bad about the Holy Spirit, you know. Yeah. And, um, but again, it's language. It's just like, he, he's literally saying, hey, like, hey, once, you, once you've blasphemed the Holy Spirit, if you deny him, Mm-hmm. If you because it was people were coming to Jesus saying the things that he were doing he was done by Beelzebub mm-hmm. and so I was like look this is the spirit of God this is God and if you deny God there's no other way for you in there's no other way in right it's just like you're going to join the dark side and, and that's where that's going in its own direction right and so there's language that's become this irreversible sin and all this stuff and it's like no it's, it's language he's, he's literally saying like no this this is the only way and if you deny this and you, you reject this you're denied by my father I and my father are one mm. it's irreversible mm-hmm. you know who does a real good job with that is um, Dr. Michael Heiser okay he breaks those those verses down okay in the language because he's like a you know he's a language expert he's yeah. a PhD yeah. you know I believe PhD and a theologian you know what I mean and so he does better than old DT could do with it but yeah. but it, it makes sense right. you know it's, it's like oh okay so that's that's what's going on okay but yeah so dude alright well I said 30 minutes ago that we were gonna wrap but dude this was fun I enjoy you having me man I like your room I like your spot I like doing this like this talking. is this is my own little upper room dude this yeah, is, it is and <laughs> so, so I love having you in here and uh, we need to do more of this and yeah, so I appreciate it well alright DT my pastor and I'm gonna go ahead let me see here if I can do this without messing everything up. Oh, there's just me. So sign off. Hey, those of you who are listening or watching on YouTube, thanks so much for tuning into the Jason Wright Show. And look, everything said here today was said in love. And if you have questions, reach out to me. Go to my contact page at jasonrightnow.com and say, hey, something you said kind of got me questioning. I will send it straight on to DT. <laughs> but more than anything, um, one of the things that the Jason Wright Show is all about is improving always and always. And certainly one of those things is improving um, our love in always and always. So that's what this is about. And I hope you enjoy the show and I'm out.